Whoa, you're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcast Matrix. What is the podcastmatrix.com? When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition, episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Finding one's way through times is often made much easier with light. When you take light and make it portable, you've by definition made a lantern. What would happen if the light that was emitted from a lantern was coming from a cursed lantern? We find out all about it and much more inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. A revisit, a retelling, and a complete, detailed educational review of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 14, Bedazzled. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, one of your other hosts. A ton to get to inside this episode. Nick, a little bit of housekeeping. We've gotten a lot of feedback from fans that remember this series, but still aren't sure where they can either watch it or get the episodes that we're watching. Well, the quick information is that you can go to YouTube via the link we have via our website over at Curious Goods Podcast to watch many of the episodes, although be it inside of a smaller YouTube screen that has what we have, I think, been able to discern our Greek Greek subtitles. subtitles. (laughs) Greek subtitles. So you can watch it there, or you can actually use the link over at our website inside the show notes to buy this series. Believe it or not, it is available. The transfer is not very good, unfortunately, but it really is nice to just sit and watch them at your leisure and take your screenshots and obsess about all the cursed objects like Nick and I do every week. Yes. R-M-A-T-R. Let's get to the retelling. Shine a light on this one, Nick. Shine a light. Sure thing, matey. An underworld filled with water and fish. A sunken ship. Treasure seekers hoist a trunk aboard the recovery ship and transport it to another ship to find out what their bounty is. Jack and Ryan are close behind to help prevent the cursed doom of a lantern. The treasure hunters begin to open the chest with a welding torch. Okay. Well, it doesn't seem to do anything either. No, not at all. So when that doesn't work, Petey McPirate, the main pirate of the entire show, chooses to crack it open with a small hammer and chisel. Because more powerful than a blowtorch. Inside, they find 
There's gold inside the trunk, matey. It, it is ah. a lot of gold. I mean, that's a it's a fortune. It it's really a fortune. is a fortune. It's worth millions. McPirate number two begins to admire the treasure, and then Petey McPirate grabs a lantern and burns McPirate number two to death with it. Ryan and Jack spring into action a little bit too slow to save the <laughs> other guy, but fast enough to beat up henchman number one and Petey Pete McPirate, who we find his name is Jonah. Oh, who cares? His name is Petey McPirate. <laughs> <laughs> They're able to uh, fend these two off, grab the lantern, and hightail it out of there. Land ho. Jack and Ryan speed off in one of the safest cars on planet Earth, a Volvo, and head to the antique store to regale the tale to Mickey. Luckily, the item is... Recovered! And for those of you that thought that the retelling was going to be short, sweet, and to the point, and done, you're wrong, McMatey. Well, no, this is just the first... Eight minutes of the episode. Right. With the episode's challenge addressed and done, Ryan and Jack head to an astrology convention, appropriately as a storm is on the way. Petey McPirate and accomplice number three lurk outside the shop and plot to get the lantern back. In the middle of all that's going on, Mickey's friend calls and is bringing over... <gasps> A young child, an Just awesome, what we need. an awesome addition to his show where we hate children. That's <laughs> perfect, great, <laughs> awesome. Petey McPirate and accomplice number three spy a Con Ed slash generic telephone truck with a cherry picker on it. Kick ass! It's perfect for a rainstorm. Rain thunders down, and this storm becomes a hurricane. Yes. They dispatch the Con Ed slash generic phone truck dude with a phone cord and phone. That's, to which, that's, just, that, that's just not right. Right, to which Petey McPirate says, Don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> that's perfect. It's exactly what he sounded like, too. Inside the shop, the phone rings once again. Hey, it's Ryan. He's at the convention, but the connection that they have, boy, does it suck. Mickey agrees. And hey... What a convenience. There's a Con Ed slash generic phone company dude out front with a cherry picker. That's awesome. The bad guys weasel their way in by posing as the phone company, saying that they have to check their lines. And ironically enough, the lines are downstairs. Hey, they just want to see the master box. Where do you keep your master box? Arr. Down in the basement, right next to the vault. Oh, that's appropriate <laughs> Hey, look, it's Richie the Wonder Kid. He's come over with Mom that's dumping her onto, onto friend Mickey. Wow, what a great friend. Thanks for dumping your kid in the middle of a hurricane. Must be some friend. Super friend. The kid disappears into a store and <gasps> scares Mickey with a voodoo mask. Awesome. He then asks to see Ryan's comic book collection. Man, what a great kid. I'm so happy that we've donated the time inside of this episode to insert a child. Gotta up the peril, Mike. Oh, yeah. Incredible peril insertion. Meanwhile, down in the basement, the vault has been found. But it looks like Fort Frickin' Knox. Yeah, these pirates can't figure out how to get into the vault, Mike. <laughs> you know what? It's okay, because one of them, underneath their Con Ed slash generic phone company worker garb, they're carrying a welding torch and acetylene tanks. Man, that was a great move. Who would have thought of that, right? The torch can't make its way through the vault. And so Petey McPart and accomplice number three have heated words. 
and Richie overhears them screaming downstairs. So he- little Snoop goes downstairs, putting his nose where it don't belong. <laughs> And is captured by the not-con-ed guys who are downstairs. Mickey joins them because that's what redheads in peril do. Richie yelled out. So she ran downstairs to save him. Like any hero would do. I will acquiesce to your (laughs) inferior reporting. (laughs) It's what the script told her to do, Mike. Apparently. Petey McPirate just tells her that he wants the lantern back and they need to know how to get into the vault. She tries to get the drop on Petey McPirate, but she can't. Thankfully, Officer McBlind is reviewing all of the inconsistencies out in front in regard to safety and order. Hey, thanks for that, Officer McBlind. We really appreciate it. No problem, Mike. Tip of redhead cap. I'm awesome. wearing a red hat. <laughs> Are you really wearing a red hat? That's awesome. We can now see where you are no matter how much lightning flashes inside of this episode. I'm a good cop. You are a good cop. Thank you, Mr. Officer McBlind. Instead of calling for backup, Officer McBlind knocks on the door to make sure everything's okay. Henchman number three runs up to distract the officer with some banter, but evidently... (laughs) Banter. Yes, evidently henchman number three isn't all that great with banter, because... Officer McBlind ain't having none of it. <laughs> right. So as he's about to walk away, he spins around, kicks open the door, says, freeze! And then commensurately guns down accomplice number three. Well, yeah, but accomplice number three was going to throw a knife at him, Mike. He was. He I, was He was fully within it. That, that is a justified shooting. Uh, definitely. It's a good shoot. Petey McPirate shuts off the lights, thereby giving him the advantage, you know, of knowing the layout of the place he's never been in. Except, of course, he doesn't know the layout of the place that he's been in. So it's not so much an advantage. They're on equal footing now that. because the cop and the pirate don't know where they're at. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's got to be it. They're playing what was Marco Polo in the dark. <laughs> anyway, never mind any of that. There's lots of creeping creepiness that happens here. And somehow, Petey McPirate is able to harpoon slash impale Officer McBlind. Yes, Officer McBlind is dead now, Mike. Right. Back downstairs in the vault thing, whatever, (laughs) Mickey and Richie have taken the lantern. They've set up a trap so that they can get out, which works. Good for them. They knock out Petey McPirate, (laughs) take the lantern, run upstairs, try to get out. But, of course, like any good villain, creepy Petey McPirate has, has barricaded the door with said bloody harpoon. (laughs) <laughs> because when I want to wedge a door shut, I always I think grab of harpoons. A, I think yeah. of a bloody harpoon. Where the hell is my harpoon? I want to. I want to barricade I, this door. You know what? I got an extra one in the back of my car. I'll give you mine. All right. Okay. We'll, we'll get that all taken care of. Mickey uses her engineering degree to tap a power cord in the wall to the lantern. So now, when it's touched, it will electrocute whomever wields it. My God, that's a great plan. Shocking. Petey McPirate makes his way upstairs finally and surveys the room. In it, he finds drapes, a redhead, a scared brat, and oh, look, it's a lantern. It's me lantern. Petey McPirate gets scorched and slumps to the ground, and Richie and Mickey flee to the next room. But Petey McPirate's not done. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Both the lantern and Petey McPirate get tossed over the banister. And you'd think, after everything that they've put Petey McPirate through, this is like a Home Alone movie. <laughs> it 
something about it. Where's the, where's the, where's the flying paint can, right? Exactly. We need, <laughs> that, well, that's the only thing we're missing is a flying paint can. That's awesome. This was only a couple of years before that movie was made, too. I bet this inspired that. That's, that's exactly awesome. right. That's exactly <laughs> I right. I hadn't thought of that. That's great. But he's still alive. He's Somehow still alive. He's still alive. God now, bless him. That's right. Now it's time to shower both of them with well-lit glory from the lantern to kill them. But Mickey grabs the appropriately placed mirror that she jostled at the beginning of the episode onto a nondescript counter and directs the light back at Petey McPirate, who suffers the worst sunburn ever. His face looks like barbecue, Mike. Petey McJerky. So the next morning, Ryan and Jack arrive after their long nights away, bitching and moaning about, oh, well, you know, the convention, there was only half the people that were supposed to be there because of the storm, and there were no hotels because of the storm, and we couldn't get back because the roads were all washed out because of the storm. So we end up sleeping in the car during the storm. Ryan's got a crypt out back. Oh, and I'm, I feel like Quasimodo, and how was your night? So Mickey's just writing the night off. like, oh, no, it was a quiet night. I, I babysat, but that was about it. Yeah, that and dispatch took care of several dead bodies, including a cop. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> and roll credits. I'm, I wish I was kidding in the retelling, but I'm not. The credits then roll. And scene. Each episode of Friday the 13th, the series, has positive things that happen inside the episodes, but then there's also some stuff that needs some polish. We're going to talk about the goods. The concept of the cursed lantern. While it's probably the most sparingly used thing inside of the episode, it is definitively one with power when you consider what it's showcased to do inside of this episode. That first burning of henchman number two, pirate yeah. accomplice number Whatever two. You I think call I named. Him. Right. I forgot what I named him. Anyway, uh, the the gist is that it's incredibly powerful. You open it up, and it's like the sun, a sunbeam coming out of this lantern, and just instantly ignites things. It's, right, it's amazing. Yeah. The concept of the, the the curse of the lantern is it will shine a light onto sunken treasure, but. You must burn alive one of the people that brings that treasure up. Dire consequences for somebody, not everybody, but just somebody. Even though it is collected and put into the vault very early on, it is still the MacGuffin of this episode Mm -hmm. because Jonah, also known as Petey McPirate, wants it. Right. He wants his his precious. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's all about getting in, getting getting the lantern, and getting out. Mm-hmm. Not a hunt, but a home invasion foiling story. This is really neat, because instead mm-hmm. of going through the same rigmarole of, okay, well, there's something that's lost, okay, and now let's go get it, and Jack finds his storied masterpiece of history someplace inside of his book collection. And then and we go and Scooby-Doo some stuff. Right. And, yeah. and we recovered and done. This takes it and twists it up a little bit, which yeah. I absolutely love. I, right. Again, you take the standard formula of anything and make it where it's effective. I don't want you to just twist a twist. Uh, but you make it effective storytelling, and it really does pay off. Yeah, it's also, again, it's it, Mickey is left alone, so you have the vulnerable female 
Then on top of that, they throw in the peril of a child as well. Mm -hmm. I know through our retelling, we we kind of brushed over that, but there is that peril. Mm -hmm. Because now Mickey doesn't just have to worry about keeping these guys out of the vault until somebody comes back. Now it's, oh crap, I have to keep this kid safe and this cursed object out of these psychos' hands. Mm -hmm. And even though Petey McPirate's claims that he doesn't want to hurt anybody he just wants the lantern and he'll leave you don't know about his true intentions because he is a bad guy he is the villain and he is an x-factor oh yes which is a perfect segue to the villain in several of the first episodes of our podcast reviewing Friday the 13th, the series, we talk specifically about many of the villains that are showcased inside of those very first episodes. Yes. And I would put Petey McPirate up there with them in and that he's the creep factor yes. is way up for Petey McPirate. But not as but not as menacing creepy as some of the past mm-hmm. bad guys have been. This is a guy who knows what he wants. He's he's willing to do whatever he has to do to get it. Mm-hmm. But he's got this charm to him. Uh, one of the one of the enjoyable parts of this episode is watching Petey McPirate and listening to his dialogue because mm-hmm. it seems like he is the king of one-liners on the Seven Seas. I agree there. <laughs> I agree there. He's and it, it's not. I I don't think I ever had a grown moment when when he was saying something. It, it was appropriate. Even even the one where you and I kind of ha-ha through to inside of this, inside of this oh, yeah. episode. Don't call us. We'll call you. Yeah. It, I, I didn't have a groan because it fit, you know? I, again, yeah, yeah. There was, it, there's a dark... The, this episode is... Uh, damn it. This episode has dark humor slathered all over yeah and i think that's it's it's to help with the tension mm -hmm. because the pacing and the editing of this episode does build attention at at certain points in time yeah i agree with that and And the humor helps alleviate that yeah and the villain clearly is the propelling factor inside of all the pacing inside of this inside of this episode oh yeah yeah no question and it's really well done yeah, there was a lot of good inside this episode. We're curious what you thought was good inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out that quick web form and tell us what you would include in the goods during this episode. We've talked about the goods, but every show has a few things that need a little bit of polish. Here are some of the ones that we thought could have used a fresh coat of paint during this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Proximity effect. When I wrote this down, the most important thing, uh, at least that I've carried into my adult life, is situational awareness. The example is you walk into a restaurant and in general, people should know how they could leave that building. Mm. I'm not telling you that the place is on fire, or that there's somebody walking in with a gun and you need to get out, but you should, in general, when you walk into any place, you should know, okay, if I can't go out the way that I just came in, what are my options? Right, yeah. I think that that grafts onto a lot of life, in particular when things get dire. Mm. 
And what I don't see inside of this episode, and there's one scene in particular that just drives me crazy where clearly there's something wrong downstairs and Mickey springs downstairs to find out what's the matter inside of an arena where she knows that there's people she doesn't know there. Yeah. And again, I know she's not Rambo. She's not Ripley from one of the Aliens films. I get all that. But it, it bothered me that she just saunters down there and now she too is in the milieu. I really dislike that. It's it's one of the things of this episode that I really did not like because it graphs directly to the helpless chick syndrome. True, but you have to remember this is the late 80s. The helpless chick syndrome was a big trope yeah. used in horror. Too true. The thing is, though, is that, and, and I, I get you, I, I totally understand why it's it's a ding, why it needs polish. The only saving grace that I can offer is that Mickey doesn't know that there's anything to be wary of yet. Mm -hmm. Two men who obviously are wearing uniforms or or at least slickers of the phone company show up during a storm. There's something wrong with the phone. She doesn't have any reason not to trust them. Right. The kid who is a mischief maker all of a sudden disappears again and then yells out for her. Yeah. She has no reason to believe that this is something serious. Yeah. Until she gets down there. Yeah. So and again, that's one of the one of them. The other proximity effect comes in squarely when we're talking about we called him Officer McBlind, but uh, he may as well have been. Yeah. Because there there are so many red flags that are not only completely overlooked but completely disregarded. Right. And even if again the I realize that why didn't he call for backup is one of the biggest screaming at the screen things that people have nowadays. Yeah. And maybe it's not just, but. Again, there was enough red flag. You instantly find a dead body. Sorry, back up. There, yeah, there, there's. Yeah, I'm trying to there's think. There's no of going the, to the the building nearby and knocking to see if everybody's okay. It's calling for backup, then doing that stuff. Right, yeah. right. And that's kind of what I mean with proximity effect because it was across multiple characters, not just one. Hmm. And in fact, if we go back to the very beginning, there's at least they're trying to be stealthy from Ryan and Jack. There's at least that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you knew nothing good was happening and you knew that the lantern was inside of this this boat, would you just go in there blindly when you're hearing somebody burn to death? I I, I don't know. I, yeah. Again, it's proximity effect where if if I heard somebody burning to death and I knew that there was a cursed lantern, you know which room I wouldn't go into immediately? Well, true. Okay, but that's what I mean by proximity effect. That's their whole reason for being in this show is to go into the rooms where right. those cursed items are. Right, so. but if you're on fire, well, yeah, <laughs> then it's not going to make any difference. If you're Although they not. should be going into these rooms with a mirror, fully armed. Yeah, that's totally and not true. just hey, we're going to talk our way out. No, no, <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to die. Right. It's time to punch. No, yes, it's not time to punch. Sorry. Oh, look at you! You brought a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> Law enforcement fail. I realize we've just touched on this inside of the proximity effect, but it's egregious enough to yeah. over the head this time. Not only is it, it egregious in this episode, mm -hmm. but it seems to be something that is a running theme in this series. And many television programs. It, it's, it's started to ebb now because it's way more commonsensical and something that you really do need to address, especially in today's platform of law enforcement you mm, right the the call for backup because one guy cannot do it all there there even though they have movies like it still 
there is there just is not that Rambo moment that happens inside of law enforcement anymore. It, yeah. it doesn't work that way. We don't have cops like Cobra. Right. Exactly. There's not there's not throw on the sunglasses and drive your car into people. Yeah. Stuff. It, it it doesn't typically work like that. And inside of this one, I I would love to get one of our whatcopswatch.com talents on to ask them. Okay, you're on patrol. Hurricanes going on. You open up a Con Ed slash generic phone truck, and inside is a dead body. What is your next what move? What do you do? Yeah. What is your next move? Pop quiz, hot shot. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. And what the next move won't be is gingerly, casually go knock on a door and make sure everybody's okay. Yeah. No. I, I, I refuse to believe that that would be the answer. And again, it's it's dramatic license because it needs to do that to have the story in the peril. I, guys, I get it. Right. Yeah. But it is frustrating to see such a, a very straightforward fail of law enforcement when in you'd really have to be green to not understand that it's time to do something different than just go look some more. Yeah. No consequences for anyone at all. This is a big ding for me, mostly because there have even been episodes where it's not quite a learning touchstone moment at the end of episodes, but there's at least been some completion and the only thing that happens at the end of this episode is that time runs out on the storytelling and nothing gets completed. Yeah. And I, I, I really dislike that inside of this episode, especially where it's just kind of Mickey holding her head in her hands. Well, I mean, seriously. And roll credits. Well, seriously, the, the, we terrible. talked about the, 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 the lack of law enforcement and the logic and all that. Okay, we've got three, no, four. There are four dead bodies within, I would say, a good... 50 yards yeah. of each other in yeah. the in, you know in the proximity of the shop and where that truck is. You're not telling me that by the time Jack and Ryan came back, there still would be cops combing the area for evidence and clearing out bodies. Right. Well, and and answering ask, asking questions and, yeah. and trying to get a report filled. And it and it really does speak to uh, at least the way that it's written. I'm not saying that Jack and Ryan are stupid. But both of them walking in and not smelling somebody that had been burning for right. well, minutes yeah. by yeah. magical lantern effect. Yeah, that really? whole <laughs> that whole epilogue for the episode should have been Ryan and Jack arrive at the shop. There's cops everywhere. Mickey is wrapped in a impacted. Blanket. She's impacted, right? But and, and then and then them consoling her, making consoling sure that she's okay her. And... But the thing is, though, is that she survived. Yeah. It's the the final girl syndrome. What it should have been was, all right, yeah, I took care of business, guys. It's okay. I I have proved that I can take care of myself in in a situation like this. And sadly, they miss out on that completely by doing a tongue in cheek wink at the uh, the audience kind of an ending with this, right, and it's right. just it's just insulting. Wish I could have been here like you, having a quiet night. And freeze frame. Mentos. And, and, yeah, that's exactly the what fresh happened. maker. Yeah. yeah. When you're and cleaning up fucking bodies, <laughs> there's a little boy oh. helping you with it. And hey, by the way, a cop. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's an entire family. Is there another that, vault yeah. that we put the dead bodies the, that end up in the in in the in the shop? Yeah. The innocent generic phone company guy that uh, who probably also has a family that won't ever. Yeah. See where's him again. where's the phone company coming coming right. around looking for their truck? And I get before we get the hate mail that says, "Man, you guys just gotta you gotta take it in, and lay off a little bit." 
you know what? I don't want to lay off a no. little bit. Especially when we're talking about a police officer and a dude that just came out to fix phones. If they were all bad guys, I'm kind of okay with it. I can't. Yeah. Even, I don't care who Petey McPirate's daughter was. Doesn't make any difference to me. Right, right. But when we're talking about people that they they literally don't have a wrapped up story. Okay, so Officer McBlind is on his route slash beat, and he spies a, a truck that's not supposed to be there. You don't see any dudes around. You knock on the on the glass, you look in, you oh, wait a minute, what's that? You open it up, it's a dead body. Okay, instant red flag moment. Yeah. It completely changes the complexion of everything that happens, except that it doesn't. And I have a problem with that. Yeah. Those are the things that we think needed some polish in this episode. Yeah. But we want to know what you think needed a little bit of polish. Let us know by heading over to our website, that's curiousgoodspodcast.com. Click the link on the right, fill out the short web form, and tell us what you think could have been a little bit better in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. The hunt is still on for the growing number of enchanted items. Return immediately to help us complete the journey. Right after these messages. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor core. Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a revisit, a retelling, and a complete detailed educational review of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 14, Be Dazzled.
Thanks to our friends at Visual Thesaurus. We've got some great vocabulary for this episode. The first word is... Lantern. Not only does this, especially as an artist myself, I love... I don't, I don't even know what really the components of a lantern are, except that there's something that emits light inside of it. Yeah. But if it, it's something, if I had a piece of paper right now, I would try drawing one just because they're cool. Oh, yeah. And, and they're always unique, and they all have their own little picadillos in regard to design and where the buttons and switches and whatever else are. Especially depending on what time period yeah, yeah, you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, very yeah. well said. In fact, we were just talking about this at the beginning of the episode, where the the lantern inside of last episode, inside of episode 13... The Baron's Bride. Yeah, looks specifically different than this one. Well, yeah. I yeah. Mean, not only just size-wise, but I mean like make-wise. Mm-hmm. This one was obviously a, a seafaring, chromed-out lantern yeah. thing. If I knew more about the ways of the sea and boats and maritime law and things like that, I'm sure that I would know where that particular type of lantern would be placed on a ship because I'm sure it would be yeah, on a boat. Somewhere. Anyway, the the, the lantern, L-A-N-T-E-R-N, and again, over at Visual Thesaurus, they've got it listed as a light in a transparent protective case or an artificial source of visible illumination. I love both of those definitions, yeah. and they're they're terribly appropriate. There's also no other word other than lamp that's available as something akin to lantern, which I find incredibly endearing for the word lantern. Treasure. Ah, treasure. It's always shiny, it's always valuable, and it is featured wonderfully inside this episode. Another nod of the cap to the production design staff inside this episode, where they come up with what looks exactly like what you would expect a chest of buried treasure. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's incredibly appropriate. It, it works wonderfully and is the platform for McPirety number two to die inside of this episode. Our friends over at, again, visualthesaurus.com have treasure as accumulated wealth in the form of money or jewels, art highly prized for its beauty or perfection, any possession that is highly valued by its owner or... A collection of precious things. Again, it could not be more appropriate for this episode. It's really well done. Other words included in the realm of treasure include gem, appreciate, prize, and hoarded wealth. I would also like to add booty. Oh, booty. Or bounty. That's even better. I like booty. Yeah, I know you do. Salvi. There used to be a television program, and I've forgotten what the name of it is, but it was something like salvage, might even have been salvage. Mm. And every time I think of that word, I think of that series, and it's a, I, I wish I could remember more. I'm going to have to go back and look that up. Anyway, the word salvage, the definition that is included with salvage is property or goods saved from damage or destruction. The act of saving goods or property that were in danger of damage or destruction. And then the act of rescuing a ship or its crew or its cargo from a shipwreck or fire. Uh, Again, a very interesting definition, a very interesting word that conjures many visions of many different things. Because just about anything can be salvaged, especially when it's been abandoned. Right. And then there is also the law of salvage mm-hmm. out on the open sea. Yeah, which uh, you and I looked into this a little bit. And yeah. the definitions and the where to fours and the, the, the way that the 
rules float. Right. Are We're, so we are strange. not maritime lawyers. So not, not by any we stretch. We have no idea. And it looks like it's really, really incredibly rich to understand it all. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll put a couple of links into maritime law and some of the stuff that we found. We were actually going to use those until we realized how broad reaching they would be. Right. That we couldn't possibly encompass them instantaneously in a definition. There's a lot going on inside of this episode, whether it be story-based or it be something that you see literally inside of this episode. What did you notice in regard to vocabulary when it comes to this episode? Let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out that quick web form, and tell us what you think. Ah, the rating inside the Curious Goods podcast. Always fun time for Nick and Mike. The scale works thusly. A ten is on top of the heap. A brown encrusted treasure trove of awesome golden goodness mateys are. Are me booty. A one is on the bottom of the scale. That would be the light that emits from the lantern that provides you with the ultimate final sunburn. Crispy critters. Seven is where everything starts as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? Despite this episode being something different in the show, Mm -hmm. uh, where we grab the item and, and get it safe and secure in the vault within the first 10 minutes, there were too many polish moments Mm -hmm. for me to be able to say that this was a great episode yeah it was a fun episode we had some interesting colorful characters but it almost seemed like the writers just decided to throw logic out the window for manufactured suspense and comedy not ha ha ho ho but a little bit a little there was just a little bit too much comedy for me I can't rate this what I thought I was going to rate it at the beginning for the concept of the show, since they missed out on so much. This one's a five. Five is an interesting number for this episode. I kind of look at it this way. We know after now 14 episodes what kind of to expect from the cast members. Mm -hmm. We know what we can expect from, in general, at least from A Cursed Good. And we know what we have seen, everything from awesome villains down to kind of worthless. We're not entirely sure why they were the villain inside of the villain story villain. Right. Yeah. And what we get here is kind of a mixed bag. It's a definitively mixed bag. I love the story of the lantern. I, I really yeah. do. The problem is that the lantern is featured in all of about three minutes of this episode. The rest of it is the, the, the track and draw towards the lantern and what what surrounds it yeah that is a little bit of endearment to what's going on inside the episode but it is in no way able to steer it out of the very big tailspin that i think this episode gets itself into we've talked a lot about what the speed bumps are especially inside of the needs polish inside of this but then also inside of some of the positives there inside of this episode so where you give this episode a five i'm gonna chuck it down one and give it a four Again, the seeds of this episode really speak to being able to tell a great story. And I'm not entirely sure what happened. Yeah. That's where we ask you guys, what did you think of this episode? Season 1, episode 14, Bedazzled. I think I know what happened. They named this episode inappropriately. How about that? 
The fact is, the definition of bedazzled is to cause someone to lose clear vision, especially from intense light. So, ding, 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 spot on with the title. Big fat buzzer for not being able to match the title with yeah, the actual content. The writers seem to have been bedazzled themselves. So until next time where you perhaps stumble upon a lantern that will set people ablaze, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Wait a minute, does that mean the power's out? The no. power's out. The power's not out. How'd they cut the power, man? They're but, animals. But they didn't know. Did you not see that? I've typed that in there just to have fun. I'm not looking at show notes. Oh. <laughs> You're, and you I'm, like, to, I'm like, you what's the, point? What's the, the show? point of show notes? <laughs> but they didn't cut the power. I know. Well, you, he cut something. He cuts the phone lines. Well, he cut the phone line, not the power. He cut the power to the phone lines, man. How did he cut the power? How did he cut the power to the phone lines? Power to the phone lines, though, because people think people are going to think they're we're on wandering around in the dark, and that you're not making an aliens reference. (laughs) Rest in peace, Bill Paxton. Too true. Too true.